Hey there. Thanks for being with us once again on the podcast. Super excited. Today's guest, Mickey Kennedy, is a PR expert and a press release ninja. And we're going to be talking all about the power of public relations and how to capture media attention and really build credibility and build out everything that will drive traffic to both your website as well as to your business. It's a framework. It's a template. It's excellent advice. And we're getting it from an expert. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. Thanks so much to the sponsors this week. And also, check out the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. If you're starting a new restaurant or if you just want to run your existing restaurant more profitably and more successfully, it's everything you need to know in critical restaurant numbers and finances, inventory, cost controls, marketing, staff training, and leadership. It's all there, all in a very affordable monthly price. So check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. And now on with the episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Rockstars, there are many elements to consider when growing your restaurant. Are you connecting with diners enough and with the right message? Could your kitchen be putting out more orders than your dining areas have room for? Well, it can be overwhelming, especially when the reason you got into this business is for the food and the people. That's why restaurants get Pop Menu. Pop Menu is the marketing tech platform designed to make growing your restaurant easy, so you don't have to grow it alone. With Pop Menu, you can capture more guests and their preferences through your restaurant's website that's designed to easily collect contact information and data so you can see what your guests love and why they dine with you. Connect and build authentic relationships with guests by using modern technology that personalizes marketing. Make all your systems work better together, improve margins, and conquer the chaos of your restaurant's digital presence. Pop Menu has a special offer for my listeners. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash rockstars. True hospitality and guest convenience are vital in your restaurant. I'm proud to say that for 23 years, my restaurants provided both with paging equipment by JTEC. We used guest and server pagers, and my teams could not have delivered great dining experiences without them. JTEC systems help you run a great restaurant. Now, JTEC pagers are reliable, durable, easy to set up and operate. Guest pagers increase sales and give guests peace of mind knowing they'll be called when their table's ready. Staff pagers notify when orders are up, fresh and ready, and save time by eliminating the need for servers to check on orders. JTEC also offers Motorola two-way radio solutions, QR code virtual paging, reservations management, curbside notifications, and coming soon, Linkware, a wearable watch-like smart band that can receive messages and tasks from the JTEC Linkware application. Now, I saw this product at a recent food show, and it's really cool. To learn more and get a special offer from JTEC exclusively for my listeners, go to www.jtech.com slash rockstars. That's spelled J-T-E-C-H dot com slash rockstars. Hey there. Welcome to the show, Mickey. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. 
I'm really excited to have you. Now, this is a really interesting episode because it's marketing related and marketing is so important to restaurants and hospitality operations, but there's a spin on it and you have a specific um, expertise in this. So we're going to get into all that. But first, I have to ask you, did you ever you know, work in a restaurant or ever have aspirations to be in the hospitality business? It did. My uh, career path after grad school uh, was to be a server by day and write poetry by night. And after I got my MFA uh, in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry, I did that for a summer. And I realized that it was a lot more physically physically taxing on my body. My, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, and I was just psychologically zapped at the end of the day. So I decided at the end of the summer that I needed a different career path. So uh, I applied for a safe office job and uh, was hired at a uh, telecom research startup as employee number three. And all they saw was writing in my background and they said, Hey, figure out press releases for us. Cause we think that, you know, PR would be really good for us. And I looked at the data that we were producing and found lots of little anomalies with interesting stories behind it. And I just presented those to the media through press releases. And we got lots of media attention, Financial Times, Economist, Washington Post, New York Times. And I, I found it rather easy. Now, we had the advantage of having a lot of data, uh, but I, I that's what really hooked me and, and made me realize that PR could be so powerful that you know here was a small startup without a lot of marketing dollars, um, just putting together messages and, and really you know killing it out there in the media media and it's just driving sales and buzz. And it was just really helping us. I'm really glad you're bringing that up because we're going to dive into the power of PR and what your particular expertise is. But several things come to mind. First, when I ran restaurants, I was sort of obsessed with getting media coverage for my business. And I didn't have a professional PR firm. You know, that would have been really expensive. And a lot of these firms want you to work on retainer and all that kind of stuff. And I never even considered that. But I, I clearly saw the opportunity. So I want to dive more into that opportunity. But the poetry thing really sticks out. Um, you're a writer and you're right, your writing and your interest and passion for writing has really led to your career success, which is awesome. Um, did it all start with poetry or did you write all types of things? I did write lots of stuff growing up. Um, I was always writing short stories, poetry, lots of stuff, but I really fell in love with poetry. I think that having ADHD, the ability to get in, draft something, and then get out and have a completed project worked for me. I don't think I, you know, have the a control to be able to sit down and develop a, a novel or something that's so long-term because my mind is so, you know, torn into little mm -hmm. bits and uh, abstractions and distractions as well. What type of poetry do you like to write? Uh, mostly I write uh, free verse narrative poetry. Um, a lot of like, uh, you know, milestones that go through my life, challenges I had as a child, mm -hmm. uh, you know, celebrations I had you know, growing up, you know, moments with a grandparent or something like that. Okay. And do you publish your works or is it personal? I do publish it. Um, I took a break uh, from building my business and, and started back in poetry about five or six years ago. And I probably published over a hundred poems and lots of little journals since then and uh, have completed two books, but I'm trying to find a publisher. And that's a long process because there's a lot more people writing poetry than oh. reading poetry. So the, the yeah. publishers are, are really, you know, looking at 1500 books to select one or two. Sure. And so it's very competitive. You know, it's fascinating because I'm, I'm, 
sort of a music fan. I like classic rock. And back in the early late sixties and early seventies, there was a band called the doors and Jim Morrison was obviously the famous front man of that band, very controversial, but very unique band, but it was all centered around Jim Morrison's poetry. He had these incredible, you know, lines of verse that he wrote and, and he had endless journals filled with this poetry and you know, he became sort of partners in crime with the keyboard player that he went to film school with in Los Angeles. And the, and as soon as this keyboard player heard these, li- well, they weren't lyrics yet. They were, it was verse, but he's like, sing me that. And it became, this was so unique and powerful. And it became the backbone of, of literally, you know, their success. And they went to international stardom based on poetry. And now you're taking poetry and you're integrating your writing skills and you're helping other businesses succeed. And it's amazing how your life can sort of shift based on a passion or an interest. And suddenly it becomes a career when maybe you never would have thought of it as a career, but it sounds like your first gig was, hey, write some press releases. You figured out that you had a real talent for this. What happened next? Um, Did you stay in that gig for a while? Did you have several other writing sort of career opportunities before you started your own company? Like, tell us about that. So um, I was faxing press releases at the time for this telecom startup. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, a lot of journalists would say, could you just email it to us? And that's when the light bulb went off and said, you know, I could build this huge Rolodex of journalists. And so I mentioned it to my boss and he goes, that could be a cool business idea. And so in my evenings and weekends, I would contact journalists and ask if I could add them to my Rolodex and send them press releases in their beat. Mm-hmm. And at the time, journalists were like, sure, we love, you know, content. Uh, a lot of them were surprised it was free. Now it's the opposite, you know, problem. A lot of journalists are just getting inundated with so much spam and off-target sure, press of releases course. and pitches. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was a you know a great period. I spent about a year uh until I had about 10,000 journalists in my database. And then I launched and went live. And um that was uh you know it'll be 25 years this October. Wow. And so awesome. it it's 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 shifted and changed over the years. Um we were approached by PR Newswire at one point uh more than 10 years ago and asked why don't we also send our releases through them? And I, I countered that my customers are paying I think then three hundred dollars and I was like your national press release uh distribution uh over the wire of like 600 words is like 12 to 1500 dollars my clients couldn't afford that and uh i shared who my clients were small businesses startups uh people who didn't have huge budgets and they you know said well we'd like to support them let's try to make the economies work between us and they did and uh they've been a really good partner um you know allowing small businesses to reach uh, a national distribution over the wire without having to pay the 12 to 1500 dollars Boy, that's a really unique competitive advantage. And I'm I'm sure that my audience is hearing that because, you know, costs are rising and, you know, it's so important for a restaurant to reach and build awareness and get new customers and then build on the customers that they have, especially in a new restaurant. So, you know, to increase awareness and really stand out from the competition, where does a small business or a restaurant or a hotel or a bed and breakfast inn or any hospitality enterprise, where where should they start or what should they start to think about, especially if they're new in sort of besides creating their concept, how do they get the word out, build awareness? You know what I mean? Right. What would you so suggest? I think the important thing is to realize that local media is very accessible 
And, you know, you can build your own Rolodex. If you think about it in your community, there's probably less than a dozen people that would write about you or cover you. And Mm -hmm. I'm including TV and radio as well. And the thing is just to figure out who they are at your local newspaper, who covers local restaurants um, and local businesses. Um, Is it the same person? If not, you know, put two people in your Rolodex. ask for their email address. You can call and just request it. They're members of the community. They're journalists. They are supposed to be accessible. And, you know, I've never had a problem uh, with people not giving out their contact information. Um, I've had had some who just say, hey, we prefer uh, email or we prefer, you know, a phone pitch, but very few prefer phone pitches. Um, But just find out how they like to be communicated with and get their information. Uh, If you're lucky enough to have a business magazine or business newspaper, find out who covers local restaurants there. Um, Look at uh, TV spots. Are there occasional spotlights on uh, a news segment that uh, highlights businesses? If so, find out who the producer or booker of that segment is on that uh, newscast. Same thing with radio. And all of a sudden, you have like, a dozen or less people that you can reach out to. And uh, my whole business is press releases, but when it comes to this, you really don't even need to have a press release. What you really need to have is a pitch. And that's like a few sentences on why you would be a compelling story for the journalist. And do realize that journalists like to have a story, a story arc. So you want to provide them with a lot of elements that would be, um, you know, interesting and compelling to build out a story arc for you. Um, if you're announcing a, a new restaurant, for example, uh, you know, what, what was your story? What was your journey? You know, uh, if you ever watch Shark Tank, you know that most people lead with their journey, their story, the obstacle they overcame mm-hmm. or something inspirational or, you know, something very vulnerable. So, you know, share your story and share your path and how something came to be, because that's the elements for a journalist to build a story. Um, don't discount a quote. Um, I always recommend if you're doing a pitch, go ahead and write a really compelling quote uh, that they could contextually put in your story. If you have an amazing quote, a journalist can build a whole article or story around it. Um, so, you know, really, you know, spend some time, quality time. If, you know, if, if you are creative, that's the place to be really creative. You want to make it so that it's, you're saying something that can't easily be paraphrased by the journalist. If they were to paraphrase it, there'd be a loss of the magic or the, how powerful you said something or, if, if, you know, the authority that you have. Um, and I, I really believe that, you know, local pitching is, is the secret sauce. If you read your papers and ma- local magazines and things like that, you will often see the same companies appear again and again. And it's because they've established a relationship with these journalists. They reach out to them maybe, you know, three to six times a year and pitch a story. And when a journalist says, mm, not a good fit for right now, because they've seen you again and again, when they're working on a story that they can plug you in, often they'll reach out to you. And that's why we see the same companies uh, again and again in local news. It's not that they have, uh, uh, you know, a, a best friend at, at the at the newspaper or, uh, you know, a lot of money that they're pouring into the newspaper. But often it's because, you know, they've they've worked uh, that the, the the networking, the, the friend angle, the, you know, being a good, uh, you know, 
relationship using, you know, tactics like, hey, I really like this article that you did, or hey, that article you did was amazing. Here's something else that I'm, I, I you know, a, a tidbit or something that you know, a little bit of expertise. You may not get mentioned in a, a follow up article, but they're going to remember that you were helpful or you said something really kind and, you know, it wasn't generic. It was pretty specific. So, uh, you know, I, I call that, you know, putting money in the bank. And so that when you do have a pitch, they're more likely to, ca- you know, you can cash it in and they're more likely to to go ahead and develop a story based on you. And I think that that's the biggest part that, you know, busy uh, restaurateurs just, you know, it gets lost. They, they don't cultivate those relationships. But really, we're talking about, you know, less than half an hour, uh, you know, four times a year, once a quarter, it's very attainable for most people. And, you know, the types of things that a restaurant could talk about, uh, you know, is, you know, a grand opening, rebranding or renovation, uh, just introducing a, a new team, like maybe you have a new chef or uh, you, mm-hmm. you just want to uh, highlight a partnership or, you know, like say you have a celebrity coming in to film uh, a, a TV show. Uh, all of those things are, are elements for, you know, developing things like that. But there's also other things that, uh, you know, could possibly have a news angle, you know, menu changes. Uh, especially if you have like a completely different angle, like maybe you're being more sustainable uh, with the the types of uh, uh, meats and fish that you're providing and what the story is behind that. Maybe you're sourcing some stuff local. Uh, you know, people love things like that, you know, human interest, you know, relationship with a local uh, farm or a local business. And journalists are willing to, you know, share those stories. Just make sure that, you you know, you, you put the elements in there for them to build it out as a story format. Ideally, in cases like that, I would say, get some quotes as well from the uh, person that you're partnering with and and really you know try to make it a, a win-win between the two of you because that makes it uh, a lot more compelling from a journalist standpoint. You know, that was a wealth of information and sort of a crash course in several things come to mind. We talked about the importance of having a story. I believe every restaurant or any small business has their unique story you know, the reason for being where, what was the inspiration or the vision for this? It's like, is it built around grandma's recipes? Is it some new concept that's unique in the neighborhood or in the area? So there's a story, of course. And it's, I see, you know, I've worked with quite a few restaurants over the decades and whatnot. And I see a lot of these really unique, you called them tidbits, you know, whether you call them tidbits, I used to call them hooks or nuggets. It's like all these unique things that these businesses or restaurants were not using in their marketing, even though I thought they were really unique and compelling and that it's public interest stuff. It's like guests are interested, train your staff on what these things are and promote and and talk, you know, icebreakers at the table because half the time guests are first time visitors. They don't know those things. And then the last thing you said was the quote. If you can come up with a really compelling quote that is the ethos of your restaurant or business that, you know, captures the imagination, I think that's going to pave the way for journalism. So thank you so much for sharing those three things. And that foundational framework is a really great starting point. Let me ask you another question. Um, Somehow this popped into my mind. Now, not every city or community uh, you know, other than media outlets in every area, which certainly exists, certain larger areas have sort of food critics, right? Would you ever suggest that someone reach out to a food critic to critique or come in and, and rate your business or your restaurant? And if so, 
that's kind of a hook, but then you've got to be prepared where every single night, you don't know when this person's going to come in and you absolutely have to dazzle every guest because when that person comes in, they have to have a stellar experience hitting the food, the service, the ambiance, so that they can write a glowing article that's really positive press versus it could backfire on you too. Have you ever suggested someone do that or have you seen anyone do that successfully? I've seen several people make invitations out to critics. And I find that a lot of times those invitations are not followed by the critic. Okay. Uh-huh. I think that uh, what happens is, you know, a better solution is to create some organic buzz, uh, you know, perhaps yes. using PR, perhaps, you know, just uh, people talking in the community. And that will drive a critic to say, I've heard some stuff. I need to check this place out. I think that works better. It's more organic. And it, you know, if, if you put someone on notice that, hey, we'd love you to come out, it, it makes them more likely to be, uh, you know, distrustful of the experience. Like, you know, they kind of knew I was coming over the next few weeks, probably because they invited me. Sure. So I think that okay. just being more yeah. organic, using natural buzz, will get the critics in there. Now, not everyone listening is a marketing guru or expert as you are, but there is a term that we use in marketing and it's the unique selling proposition. Can you define that for our audience? And then we'll dive a little deeper into what that means. Right. So uh, USP, unique selling proposition is what is it that your business does that's unique to you? You don't have to be unique to you know all restaurants in the world but locally what is it about your restaurant that differentiates it from all other restaurants and you know there's lots of different approaches but the best ones are ones that you can sort of defend and you know they say build a moat around it uh mm-hmm. you know with coca-cola it's it's their recipe and the, and you know the 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 generational uh, experience of, of the product. And, you know, that's something that they defend and, and don't uh, usually tinker with, with the exceptions of new Coke. But, uh, you know, yeah. what is it that you have? Is it, you know, your, your grandmother's recipes and uh, elements of that? Or is it that you have an amazing, amazing staff and chef and things like that? Um, is it, you know, the, the decor, the architecture of the restaurant is, you know, what, what are the things that you want to highlight as what you feel is unique? It could be your offering or the experience of, 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 you know, how you serve the food. Is it maybe family style or, or, or things like that? And, uh, I think that anything that you can build and articulate very, you know, very in a very short way, we call them elevator pitches, is going to do really well. So you want to be able to say in a sentence or two what it is that your restaurant does that sort of separates it from everyone else in your local market. Okay, that's great advice. Let's follow that up with you worked with a lot of small businesses, restaurants included. And have you seen or would you recommend well, let me back up a second. When I was in this business running and owning restaurants, even though I was a marketing guy, I went to business school, I had my own ideas of what marketing was and brand building. I was obsessed with building a brand. But my competitive advantage was really, you know, reaching out to my team members, my employees constantly and asking them for their input on the business, how we ran it. Do you see a better way of doing things? Do you have a new crazy marketing idea? We encouraged people to come up with ideas because a lot of times business owners are really close to their business and they don't necessarily have a fresh perspective and everyone thinks, oh, I got this and I own the place, so I should come up with that. But I'm saying, is it a good idea to just ask 
other people what they think that are close to your business also. And you may come up with a list of things you never even thought of that might go into your unique sales proposition. Do you think so? Yes, I agree completely. Um, I One of the things that I've noticed is whenever we hire a new employee, at times they say, why do we do things this way? Wouldn't this be easier? And I say, yes, you know, yes, I encourage this. We, we have been doing it this way because we've always been doing it this way, but it may not be the most efficient. It may not be the best way. And, uh, I, I think that those kinds of moments are valuable because they're outside looking in. Uh, and challenging certain uh, assumptions and making suggestions and, and uh, possible changes that can really help sort of streamline the business or, you know, identify things that would make you uh, more, you know, authentic or unique. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, that's, okay, that's great. Um, I guess we're on the same page with that and it certainly makes sense. So thank you for your validation there. You know, I'm just a huge believer in involving your people and giving them a voice because it makes them feel like they're opinions or ideas matter as opposed to you're just an employee, go do that job. It's like you're part of a team. So I think that's terrific. Let's talk a little bit. No, let's talk a lot about press releases because there we can cover a lot of ground with a press release. Let me go back to your idea for the quote. Is the quote ever the headline of the press release? Because you need that really hard hitting top line headline that grabs the media person's attention that then then compels them to read the press release or is right. or am i missing something let's talk about what you should what you should do to obviously start crafting a press release and right. is there a template or a format number of words i mean this is your expertise. So take us through press releases. Okay. So uh, generally a quote isn't used in the headline, but you really want the headline to be very succinct and really come across to what is the important pitch or hook in that press release. Yes. And uh, you want to make sure that you put that front and center in the opening paragraph as well, but you really are just, you know, broadcasting that from from the headline. Uh, Remember, you're writing a headline for the journalist. You're not writing for the end users or consumers. And so busy journalists are looking at press releases and stories, and you want to make sure that it's easily identifiable, that it's their beat, and it could potentially be something that would be of interest to them. And they'll click through and read more. Um, You know, there's uh, usually anywhere from four to seven paragraphs in a press release. Um, The the first paragraph, you know, identifying the hook, um, adding a little bit more content. Um, There's usually the inverted pyramid of the most important information first. And then as you go further in the press release, you get to the less important information. Usually at the end, there's like a boilerplate, which is a recycled uh, paragraph where it's like about restaurant or about the company. And uh, those are usually just uh, the, you know, the elevator pitch of what your company is. It's usually three to five sentences. And, and, you know, that gets recycled in all of your, your media that goes out. It's just a good way of identifying who you are contextually. Actually, um, you know, the, the the additional paragraphs in the press release between the boilerplate and the opening paragraph are really just providing additional information. Um, if you can get the quote in the second paragraph, I think that's really good, especially if it's like a really nicely curated quote that you've come up with. Um, but it doesn't have to be. But I, I do find that quotes are so powerful. Uh, I do like to get them in there, uh, you know, at, at least in the second paragraph. Um, and you just want to support it and provide enough information for a journalist to, you know, to be able to develop and build out a story. Um, so, 
uh, you know, that's it. It everything's usually written in the third person. Um, the Thank quote you. is the big exception where you might write in the first person talking about yourself uh, within the company. Um, and it's really not elevated writing. You're really writing at a, at a, at a you know, a low level. And I do challenge a lot of people who feel like maybe I'm not the right person to write the press release about my company. And I think that a lot of people would be surprised that they can come up with a, a really good press release on their own. Uh, you know, if, if you want, you can go to ereleases.com and just look at our press release samples. We have one for the restaurant industry. And that might be a good way to you know look at how someone else has done it. And I think that'll make you a lot more comfortable feeling like you can develop your own press release. Um, and, you know, but, but that being said, you know, we, we offer writing services, uh, for those who just feel they can't do it. But I also think that, uh, another solution that you might want to consider is using AI. Um, I've played around with AI before. It's terrible to go to AI and say, write me a press release about my restaurant. It won't come up with something good. But if you have the hook and you know what you want it to write about, you can get it to write you like say, hey, uh, this is my press releases about XYZ. Give me 10 headline suggestions and you can, you know, take the best one and modify it. Um, you know, now I'm opening the press release. Uh, you know, uh, here's some more additional information, uh, write the opening paragraph. And I find that if you take it paragraph by paragraph, knowing what you want to accomplish in each piece, you can get it to really write a well-written press release. And I think for people who aren't comfortable with their writing, it's a great way, you know, to use it. Um, a lot of people would say, Hey, you know, AI content, I don't want it on my website, which I agree with. I wouldn't put blog posts up that were written by AI personally. But when it comes to a press release, it's just for a journalist and the journalist is going to turn it into an article. They're going to write it. And so I, I don't, I don't think there's any problems with using AI. Read everything because, you know, sometimes AI oh, sure. can be really loose yeah. with the facts. Yes. Um, but I think any, any tool that you can use that'll empower you to move forward with press releases, uh, can, can really be helpful. That's excellent advice. Let me ask you, is there any place for humor or irreverence or maybe controversy or any of these things to sort of cut through the clutter of everyone else following that same format? What's your best advice there? Great. So when it comes to humor, I find local media to be the most accepting of humorous stories. So uh, again, when you're doing your pitching, if you're doing something fun and quirky, go for it. You know, maybe it's, uh, you know, how you're celebrating Valentine's Day. Uh, all, all the servers are going to be dressed like cupids or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, that's you know, a hook. <laughs> have some supporting photos. Uh, images go a long way with the media. Um, you know, that can really, you know, make you stand out if they're looking at two stories that are just sort of like mid great newsworthiness, but one has a really compelling photo or two that you've attached, you're more likely to get picked up. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, humor does have a place. I think that uh, it's it's one of the least used uh, and often used improperly. I see a lot of national press releases that try to use uh, April Fools and other kinds of like gag type stuff. And I find that that works better in the local market. So I think that that's perfect for restaurants and things like that. Uh, you don't want to always pitch with that angle, but I think that a healthy mix that includes that is, is quite fine. And I think that, you know, 
at the end of the day, is it a human interest story? Is it something that, you know, people would find interesting or fascinating? Um, journalists are gatekeepers and they're trying to decide what information is worth the, their audience's time and energy. What, you know, what, what is worth sharing with them? So anything you can build out and sort of develop is, is going to have a much better success. Listen, when I ran restaurants, I had my core values, the things most important to how I ran my restaurants, monitoring daily operations, training my team for consistently great guest experiences, food safety, quality assurance, and preventative maintenance. All this took a system. Well, here's what Xenia can do. Xenia gives you a modern app, really an operational base camp that scales standard operating procedures, trains your team, controls operations, and even manages food safety. Now, I really like their sensors that continuously monitor temperature for fridges and freezers so you can proactively prevent inventory losses. Now, how valuable is that? Now, whether managing a single or multiple locations, the Xenia app helps you ensure consistency, compliance, and accountability across your operation. You can see full detail in real time from anywhere in your Xenia dashboard with automated reports right to your inbox. Now, again, this was vital in my restaurants. Xenia is offering my listeners white glove service with free onboarding and implementation so you can jump straight into immediate usage and value. Xenia starts at just $69 per month per location. So get my special deal at www.xenia.team slash rockstars. Xenia is spelled X-E-N-I-A. Now, here's a crazy thought. Um, speaking of gatekeeping, what's the best delivery method once you've come up with your ideal press release? If everybody is emailing this media person and the email inboxes, all of our inboxes are inundated, does snail mail ever get their attention? Like a handwritten letter that literally includes the press release that's professionally done, of course, but addressed to that exact person in care of such a such media outlet. I mean, what's the best delivery method? So it really depends. I know that with the pandemic, a lot of people are working from home. So I don't know how often they get their office mail. That, that might be, mm, you know, something that's a little difficult, yep. but, you know, also, you know, get a feel for where they are. Um, there are a lot of journalists on Twitter and I have had some journalists say, you can send me an email, but, you know, you know, contact me on Twitter, you know, DM me. That's a, that's a better place that I, that I actually surveil. So when you initially start building your Rolodex, ask them for their email address, ask them, is that the, you know, the most efficient way to, to reach you? Um, and, and they'll sort of tell you what other ways they're open to. But, um, I think that email is, is a really natural way. I, I would be wary of uh, phone calls and follow-ups. Mm -hmm. That's something that a lot of PR people do. They they heavily pitch and then they heavily follow up, follow up, and journalists see it as harassment. Yeah. And so I I wouldn't huh. ever want to get that reputation with local media, especially um, because they can be really such great allies. And I think that just uh, you know reaching out there, um, you know, sending them the press release, sending them a pitch. Um, because it doesn't always have to be a press release with local media. Just, you know, a few sentences and a great quote can accomplish the same thing as a press release um, with, with, with local media in particular. If you have a, if you're an owner, say of a restaurant or small business, and you've got sort of a dynamic personality, do you ever encourage people to create a short video that is your pitch? Like you mentioned the elevator pitch, would that ever work to, to email them the video, like standing in front of your business or taking them on a quick tour and like giving them the dialogue and giving them a quote? 
just came to mind. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? Right. I think that it certainly could with TV. I think that uh, seeing visually your impromptu pitch might give them ideas for saying, yes, we could go in there and get some B-roll and some other footage, and this would be a really great place. So I think that that could uh, you know, really work really well, especially for TV. It could also work for local news as well, because they like to use photos and stuff, and maybe it could inspire them to say, this would be some great shots that we could get for an article that we do about them. How important is credibility of a business, especially if they're a brand new business and let's just say they're opening next week, first time, grand opening, blah, blah, blah. You literally have no credibility yet. That is important. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think that anytime you do get media pickup, it does give you credibility. It's like third party corroboration or social proof when a journalist, you know, social deems proof. you worthy of writing an article. Yep. Um, you like know, that. it almost acts as an implied endorsement. And so I think uh -huh. that that's why, uh, you know, local businesses should consider, uh, PR and working with the local media because it, it is something that most people are not doing. Uh, most people are not reaching out to local media and it is a great opportunity for you. Uh, you know, journalists are expected to do more with less and they are busy. So anytime they get relevant, interesting stories, it's, it helps them and it's an easy way for you to spoon feed them a possible story that could come out. And like I said, it doesn't always work. So you may reach out to your Rolodex of a dozen people, you know, three to four times a year and maybe two or three stories develop over that year. Um, you will find that the more stories that you get, the easier it gets over time, the more comfortable you are and probably more attentive to the types of things that they're, uh, you know, will respond to. And so that you can craft more uh, messages that hit going forward. Okay. Thank you for answering that. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about websites, because obviously it's very important for a restaurant to have an online presence. And, you know, there are great restaurant websites that really I've always believed a great restaurant website literally gives you the, the whole feel of the place and what your experience is going to be like before you even get anywhere near the place and walk in the door. And it can be compelling to get somebody in the door. But how do we build website traffic so that we can get them to the website to convince them then to come into the restaurant? I mean, that's a whole marketing angle unto itself. Right. So um, th there's lots of ways in which to sort of get some search engine traffic. Uh, a lot of it is like, what are the... Uh, you know, getting an article written about you and linking to you is great, but, you know, a lot of articles don't include links to somebody. So you almost have to have something pretty compelling on your website for people to link to you. Uh, one of the things that I see like in local markets that work really well is like maybe a survey or mm -hmm. uh, something of the community that you've done uh, that sort of showcases you hope your business in, in that trend. And uh, that's, that's a way to stand out. And usually... I recommend that you build a page on the website where you collect all the data from the survey, but your pitch is only going to focus on maybe a couple aspects of it. But all that information is there for people. Uh, maybe it's a way for people to you know, vote on their favorite uh, Italian restaurant in your community and you're an Italian restaurant. Uh, you know, uh, people will then link to you to say, hey, go here and vote for your favorite 
local restaurant or your favorite uh, server or your favorite, you know, uh, uh, holiday or, or things along those lines. If you make it sort of playful and interesting and interactive, you stand the likelihood that local media will will link to it or bring it to people's attention. And that could really drive traffic and links to you. You know, that triggers another thought. Um, testimonials. Where do you, where do you lie on testimonials because every restaurant or even small business has its raving fans that just love the place it's like i go there because and not everyone is a great writer but if you encourage testimonials and if you ask that person's permission to either use a quote or you know can i take your words and paraphrase a little bit along those lines i mean that can be really powerful for credibility can it i mean would you recommend that yes. they use that even in a press release if like if you've got a raging fan that's been coming to your place for 10 years and oh my god this place has the absolute best mexican food and margaritas and whatever the quote says you can elicit quotes from your best customers not just try to come up with one i would think right yeah i think that testimonials work really well and if you have, if you can get photos of them in your restaurant, even better. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, I think that all of those things can really add uh, legitimacy to you. Um, you know, helps you sort of stand out and share other people's experiences because you know uh, a lot of people like to look at restaurants. They look at one of the things they do is they look at the reviews. And uh, sometimes reviews are not kind. Uh, it seems like a lot of people uh, who leave reviews are the ones who've had bad experiences. And a lot of people that had good experiences have to be prompted a little bit to leave a review. So, you know, right. making Thank sure you. making sure that your your interactions with the customer maybe uh, highlights, hey, if you had a really great experience, we'd love it if you went here and left us a review. Um, and I think that that's a, a way to sort of cultivate some more reviews and make it more uh, even uh, with the, the good and the occasional bad experience that someone has. That's excellent advice. Thank you for sharing that because so few operations really think about it or even dedicate the time to their online presence, especially through media reviews. Like back in the day before there was an internet, you know, word of mouth was your best form of advertising. It's like if you had raving fans that talked to their friends and talked to their family, you got to go here. It's like that would be free, you know, marketing for your business. And then now with the internet, it's like anybody can go to Yelp or TripAdvisor or Google reviews or whatever it is. And the slightest little disappointment in a restaurant as opposed to bringing it to your attention when you're there and you have the opportunity to fix it. Some people will just go right there and they'll, you know, they got a bad taste in their mouth. They're going to slam you. And, and it's almost like a damage control thing where you have to go and monitor your constant reviews and just stay on top of it and somehow make it right and show that you are taking responsibility for something if in fact it happened and making it right for the guest. And that sort of takes the sting out of a negative review. But what you said about encouraging positive reviews, I'd even print that in the menus. It's like I would ask every customer, or even have the host say on the way out, if you had a great time, please leave us a review. We'd certainly appreciate it. And that goes a long way. I think that was really, really well, um, you know, well put out advice. So thanks for that. Let's talk about e-releases now. You've got this company called e-releases and you work with clients and you've got the expertise and you're a writer and a creative person. First of all, does poetry ever find its way into your press releases? 
Not really, but I do think that having a poetic mind helps me when it comes to being a little more creative yeah. and coming up with strategic types of press releases. Um, so many people, when it comes to press releases, do what I feel like are the press releases that don't matter much. Mm. Um, they're written from the standpoint of we want to promote us. So here's something that puts us you know, forward facing the best or, you know, sells our product the best. But what they fail to identify is does anything in the press release solve the journalist problem of, of building a story? Yes. And I think okay. that if you sort of reverse engineer uh, your press release with the journalist in mind, I think you have a, a much higher likelihood of, of getting sort of media pickup. Um, it, it It is unfortunate that a lot of the press releases that we see are like personnel changes. And it's not like a major one where you brought in a new head chef or something like that. It's like, you know, a new hostess or something along those mm -hmm. lines. Sure. And I yeah. think a lot of those are done just because they look nice to the new staff and the new employees, but they're really not strategic enough to, to get much media attention if at all outside of maybe a local on the move section in a newspaper or something. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, when you are sending out a press release through a paid service like e-releases, you want to be a bit more strategic with what you're doing and, uh, um, you know, really sort of highlight something that's a, a little bit more uh, unique or strategic. And I think that, you know, like owning your own story, focusing on your unique selling proposition is one of those things that works really well. Um, you know, pulling in data, whether it's your data that you've mined through a survey or just public data, uh, using that to anchor your story can really go a long ways where you can say like, hey, you know, 84% of restaurants have you know, are you are doing this and a new trend that's, you know, coming in is like, you know, paying uh, at at the table. And you know, this is what we're doing at our table, um, you know, because your card never leaves your site, the risk of your uh, data being used or or misused is almost gone. You know, things like that could sure. be a really, you know, special, uh, you know, local interest story. And, uh, you know, your your business could stand out because you may not be the first to have done it. You not may not be, you know, the, the, the biggest uh, restaurant that is using something like that at the table, but you're the one who brought it to the media's attention locally and uh, pitched it as an idea and uh, talked about how your business is utilizing it and welcoming the media to come in and maybe get some pictures or uh, some additional collateral or ask you for quotes uh, or you know use a quote that you've already provided. That's an excellent idea too. Thanks for that. Is there in your press releases, do you find that there's a sweet spot in terms of number of words? You've sort of laid out the framework and we talked about the paragraphs and the importance of, you know, what comes first and second and then how you end it. But is it, you know, it should always be one page. It shouldn't go to two pages, I'm assuming. But, you know, how many words is like a perfect press release if there is such a thing? Or does it even matter as long as it's a one pager? Right. I think that staying under one page is, is, is the real goal. I think between 400 and 600 words is adequate for most press releases that are out there. I've seen 
press releases that are a thousand words and they need it to be. Generally, they're publicly traded companies and they have a lot of disclosures sure. that they just have to include. Uh, right. um, but I think that the average press release is safe at 400 to 600 words. Um, you know, don't feel that you have to build it out to 600 words if you feel like you've covered everything uh, in the 400 words. But the, the, you want to make sure that you have included enough information that a journalist can build out a story. So having a little bit of history of the restaurant is always useful if you're looking for additional information further down the press release that you could include. Um, you know, you could also sort of highlight other milestones that the business has had over the years um, that could that could be really useful to sort of contextualize that you're a member of the community and you've done lots of really cool and interesting things in the past. For the audience that's interested in your services at e-releases, can you tell us how you work with a new client and typically what that process looks like? Um, you know, how you understand their business and their message and how you work with them and how much of the heavy lifting you do versus, you know, you guide them and you tell them what to do. Like, what's the process like? And, and I'm sure maybe it varies with different clients, but take us through that. Right. So uh, we are all about helping people who've never done PR before. So don't feel that you have to come to us knowing exactly how this works. We're good at holding your hand and walking you through the process. Um, the only people you'll interact with on the phone or email our editors. Uh, we don't have any salespeople. Uh, they just always got in the way. So, uh, you know, there's no quotas or commissions or anything like that. We're pretty uh, honest that we've, if, if you come to us with an idea of, you know, letting you know what we feel the success of something like that would be. Um, if you have written a press release and you want us to look at it, we're willing to do that. You know, give us a couple of business days to get back to you. Um, but uh, that was completely free. Uh, whether you use us or not, we're just we're just accessible and we're all about uh, accessibility and education. Um, I have a free masterclass for my customers that um, you you. you uh, your your audience may want to partake in. Mm -hmm. um, and that's at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And it's an hour-long video masterclass that goes through st strategic types of press releases, the ones that are more meaningful and more likely to get PR attention. I think that's a really great place for someone to start if they're open to PR and considering it. Yeah. You know, going at it from that standpoint will make sure that you're building out stories that are more likely to work uh, going forward. Uh, we do offer a writing service, but I do challenge people to try to write it on your own, have us review it. Uh, we, we might be able to beef it up a little bit at no charge. Um, and uh, But I understand if it's just not your forte or you prefer uh, you know, wanting to hand it off, we are available. But I, I do think that uh, it's not uh, you know, it's not a secret uh, uh, recipe or spell that you cast through through a press release. And I do think that most people are capable of putting one together. Yeah, we talked earlier about the high cost of traditional PR agencies, of course, and possibly the retainers that only the biggest restaurant groups can possibly afford. And sure, that's a great route for the right business, but a single independent location, obviously, your services are much more aligned with that. Is uh, what's is there a typical framework for an effective campaign? And do you have sort of an a la carte price list? Because you're so much more affordable. Um, do you want to share what you know typical costs might be for different scenarios? 
Right. So we have a new customer special where people come in and I think it's $350 for uh, the average press release to, to be distributed. Mm-hmm. You can buy a package at that. And if you decide to come back within 60 days of your first release, you can get back into that package pricing. Um, so, you know, you could build out a package of, you know, four or five releases for well under twelve to fourteen hundred dollars and use those over a year uh year's time. Um we do have other packages as well um that are a bit larger. Uh, but I think that's a really good place to to start. I think that most people aren't going to be pushed away at those prices. I think that's affordable for most people, especially when you consider that one release nationally over the wire uh, of 600 words is like, you know, 12 to $1,500. So, uh, you know, you can do four releases for the price price of one. So that makes it really compelling and and useful, I think, to, to get out there. Um, but I think that uh, at the end of the day, it, it's really about realizing that you are just as important as everybody else that's out there getting media attention. So many people feel like we're too small or we're not relevant enough or we're not newsworthy enough. And what you have to realize is that the media really loves spotlighting smaller businesses, the unknown companies, uh, the unknown restaurants, the unknown businesses. And the reason for that is everybody knows the large, well-funded business that advertises everywhere. Um, you know, the journalist doesn't get accolades for, you know, writing articles about them. Uh, it's the little people that we didn't know about that you brought to attention. So it gives the journalists more of, uh, you know, uh, seen as a curator and bringing these small little discoveries and delights to other people. And I think that that's where being small and new uh, or, you know, just sort of deciding to pull the trigger on PR can really, you know, go very well for you. Excellent. What about a restaurant group, perhaps, or a restaurant company that wants to gain more national attention? I think earlier in the in the episode, you said that you had a huge database of like 10,000 journalists if you don't have perhaps, well, well, some of the biggest, obviously, media publications would be Nation's Restaurant News, which is probably the biggest. Then there's Restaurant Owner, and there's all these different media publications that specialize in our industry. If you don't necessarily have that in your database, but some of my audience reach out to you and say, hey, I want you to do soup to nuts. Come up, Let's come up with a campaign. Let's write the press releases. Do you actually do the the legwork and the research of finding out who these media outlets are and who the key decision maker might be? And can you get somebody national attention if that's their goal? Right. Yes, we we specialize in national attention. That's what we do, what we do. We do offer local saturation as well, but mm-hmm. we we are known for the national distribution um, over the wire. And uh, if you look at where does it go on our website, you'll you know if you look in food and restaurants, you'll see that uh, everybody that's 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 in the business is, is included there. Uh, awesome. There's very few little gaps and things that are missing, but we really. Uh, want to make sure that uh, when your release goes out, that it's available to the widest audience and the most appropriate audience. That is terrific. Well, you've given us so much information and such a framework and and so much like valuable advice on what to do. And it's so important, you know, for small businesses, for any really restaurants of any size to go out and get that media attention. Like I'd make it a priority and if they can do it themselves, great. And if not, I'm obviously going to share how they can contact you in our show notes and, and through this episode, but thank you so much. Did we miss anything? Cause we covered some ground today. 
I don't think so. I think that most everything was touched on. Um, there's a lot of resources on ereleases.com for like press release samples and templates and mm-hmm. uh, how to write a press release and guides and things like that. So I would just recommend anybody, you know, who's, who's open to exploring it to go there. Also check out that masterclass as well. Excellent resources. And it's so wonderful that you provide that as a free tool. No obligation, of course. You know, it's a wealth of information and expertise. And you've certainly specialized in this for so many years. So thanks for being on the podcast and being great guests and sharing all that information. Oh, thank you. All right, Mickey, you were, you were just terrific. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thanks to our audience. Thanks to our sponsors. And we can't wait to see you in the next episode. Stay well and stay tuned. Wow, Mickey, that was a fantastic episode. You really got our marketing and, more specifically, our public relations and press release juices flowing. You provided so much valuable advice that a restaurant owner or operator can either do themselves or you've given them lots of resources at ereleases.com that'll help them... um, get their business on the map. So thanks for sharing. Thanks again to our sponsors, Xenia, Pop Menu, JTech, and the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Thanks to our audience for tuning in. Stay well and stay tuned. We'll see you next time. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons, for fun, celebration, for family, for lifestyle. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's hard to find great staff. Costs are rising and profits are disappearing. It's a treacherous road and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants that I've now sold for millions of dollars. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. I created a game-changing system, and it's filled with everything I've learned in over 20 years running super profitable, super fun restaurants. Everything from creating high-profit menu items and cost controls, to staff training where your team serve and sell, to marketing hooks, money-maximizing tips, and efficiencies across your operation. What does this mean to you? More money to invest in your restaurant, to hire a management team, time freedom, and peace of mind. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy and I'll show you how it's done. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.